Let us pray as we come to God's word today. Father, we are deeply thankful for all that you teach us. We know that you have the words of life. Where shall we go apart from you, Lord? So as we come to the end of the book of Daniel, chapter 12, teach us, we pray, that our hearts would be ready to receive. Help us have greater understanding of who you are, of who we are, and what we, you ask of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you guys to know, um, Roger and I were speaking last week, and we were talking about how um, it's not just you who learn as we go through the Word of God together, but it's also us as teachers and preachers who learn as we're preparing, researching, to be able to come and to preach, to bring God's Word. And we were talking about how it's been such a great blessing for us and how we've been so humbled by the Word of God where we can see God being faithful in some of the most difficult situations that people have gone through. That God is not just faithful for a time, but that God is faithful over all of history. God has been faithful. God is faithful. And God will continue to always be faithful. That was a perfect time for you guys to agree and say. And this is the major theme that we see in the book of Daniel. Kingdoms will rise. Kingdoms will fall. World leaders will come. And world leaders will go. Yet, God's kingdom will endure forever. Many kingdoms and many men think that they are the ones who are exerting power. But the reality is, they only exert power because God allows them to. This is what Daniel tells us in chapter 2, verse 21. He says, he, that being God, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who understand. And it is this kingdom that God is establishing that will never pass away. And so the theme of Daniel is that God is faithful and that we can trust him. And what is so exciting and so amazing for us to see is that in that he calls us to this faithfulness knowing that we're going to go through hardships. That we're going to suffer. And no one likes to hear this. Right? I came to church today so that you could tell me that I'm going to suffer? Yeah, I am. Because that's what Daniel 12 is all about. Daniel 12 is all about how we are going to suffer. And how in that suffering we're going to need to trust God knowing that He is faithful. Not only has He been faithful, will He be faithful, but in the midst of our suffering and looking into the future, He will continue to be faithful. The title of our sermon today is Our Faithful God Who Calls Us to Be Faithful Until the End. So in this we know that we will face persecution and difficulties, <clears throat> especially as the end of the world approaches. This is important for us to know. This may not sound like good news, that we as believers will, inc will increasingly experience hard times. Yet we know that the kingdom of God will prevail and last forever. This is what 
Daniel tells us in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, <clears throat> as Daniel sees the image of the Son of Man, Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And look at what it says. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came like a son of man, and he came to the ancients of days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His kingdom is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. This is the kingdom that we await. We have begun to experience the benefits of this kingdom. Amen? Our king, Jesus, has come to save us and to rescue us from death. Through him we have been forgiven of our sins and through him we have eternal life. And yet we await for the day when we will be with him forever in eternity. But until then, we have to wrestle with and we have to accept the reality that we will suffer until we can come in to the fullness of this kingdom. Jesus said very clearly, my friends and brothers and sisters, that in this world we would have what? Parties and lots of money in the bank. No, he says that in this world you will have tribulations. You will have afflictions. You will have hardships. But that you could be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Amen? This is our hope. So as we come to our text today, this is the theme. It's the end of the world. And as the end of the world is approaching, our faithful God calls you and I to be faithful. This is what we see in our first point. God is faithful in verses 1 to 4. You see, chapter 1, chapter 12, verse 1 it begins with these words. At that time, Daniel is still receiving the vision from the angel Gabriel, which starts all the way back in chapter 10. At this time, specifically speaks to what just comes before at the end of Daniel chapter 11. And there we learn about the activity of the Antichrist at the end of the world. Because in, because in chapter 11, verse 40, it begins with the words, at the end, at the time of the end. And so we know that the angel is revealing through prophecy what is going to take place at the end of the world. Aren't you thankful that we know how the end of the world is going to happen? That God in his sovereignty and love for us has revealed what will happen so that you and I could be ready, knowing what to expect? So that we're not caught off by surprise? I'm deeply thankful, knowing that in the end of all things, God's kingdom will be established. We learned last week when Roger preached that the final Antichrist is typified by one of the kings, one of the Syrian Greek kings of history. Antichicus, do you guys remember? That he was the evil king that reigned from 175 B.C. to 164 B.C. who persecuted the Jews. And in the end, the final Antichrist that is coming at the end of the world 
will again persecute believers. This is how chapter 12 begins. When it says, at this time, at the time of the end of the world, the Antichrist will come and bring about a time of trouble. Look at the text. It says it there. If we can get that first section of the text up, that would be great. At this time, it says that there would be a time of trouble in verse 1. And this time of trouble is coming upon the people of God. It will be terrible. It will be so bad that God will send his angel Michael to come to deliver his people. This time of trouble that is coming upon the earth, it will be as a time that has never been experienced before since the beginning of the world. The angel says that since creation started, God's people will suffer in the end like never before in all of history. Do you guys see that? I'm not making this up. That's what the angel is revealing in the text in chapter 12. At the end of history, the people of God will suffer greatly. And we see that God will intervene. And he will intervene by sending his archangel, the prince, who will come, Michael. And we've already learned about this archangel Michael at the beginning of Daniel chapter 10. He is the warrior advocate of the people of Israel. He is the one who God has commissioned over his people to protect. And now at the end of the world, this same archangel will be commissioned to come and to deliver the people of God from the great trouble that the Antichrist will bring. And I just want to openly say that this isn't exaggerated language that's being used. It isn't hyperbolic. You know, when we say things like when pigs fly, we all know that pigs don't fly, right? Even if you grab a pork chop and you throw it in the air, that doesn't mean that pigs fly, right? This suffering that the angel is revealing, it isn't exaggerated. It is going to be like nothing anyone has ever seen. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? To know that at the end of the world, believers, the people of God are going to suffer greatly. But I wouldn't be being faithful to the text if I wouldn't preach faithfully what God has written for us here today. Listen, this is the reason why we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse. Do you know why? Because this way we never get out of preaching whatever the Bible says. We don't just come up here and just say whatever it is that might make us feel good. But that we would instead be faithful to the truth of God's word so that we have the full knowledge of God's word. Amen. And us knowing this, we're being prepared for what is to come. And I'm deeply thankful for that. Not necessarily for the fact that it's going to be hard and tough and that there will be persecution and suffering. But for the fact that God is telling me beforehand so that we can prepare in advance for those moments. Amen. This is kind of like you preparing for an exam. And God giving you the answers before the exam. So there's no reason why none of us shouldn't pass the exam with flying colors. Why? Because God is already telling us what will happen. What you and I need to do is to learn to trust him. Knowing that he will be faithful to the end. All that we need to do is to be faithful in the process. 
But that as this time of trouble comes, it becomes very clear that God will rescue through the angel Gabriel, through the angel Michael, his people. And he will rescue his people whose names are written in the book. You guys see that in the text? Now we need to consider, well, who are these people? Who are these people that the angel is talking about at the end whose names are written in the book? Because we know that this is prophecy. This is speaking of the end. Has the end come yet? No. So this is foreseeing past Daniel's time when he wrote and even into the future of our own time. These events have not occurred yet. So who are the people of God in this future time? Who is it? You. It's me. It's us. It's believers. It's the church. It's, It's followers of Jesus Christ. Because this is speaking of a future time. Now, we don't know if the end of the world is going to happen in our, in, in, our, in our lifetimes. But it could very likely. And we need to prepare as if it was. Because we don't know when the end of the world is going to occur. But what we do know is who is going to go through this time of trouble. It's us, believers, those who have put faith in God. We know this very clearly. That we have our names written In the book of life, Jesus says this in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that your spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, repented of your sin, and put faith in Christ alone, you have been saved by grace, through faith. Amen? And our names are written in the book of life. Because we belong to God now. We who were far distant, caught in our sin, in darkness, have been brought into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. Amen? These are the ones whom will be rescued by God. So whether these trials come upon us, or believers sometime in the future, what we know clearly from the text in the first few verses is that great suffering is coming. Jesus said this in Mark, in Mark 13, 19. He said, For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of all of creation that God created until now, and never will there be. This is Jesus speaking of the end of the world and how there will be such suffering like there's never been since the beginning of the world. This suffering at the end will be at the hands of the Antichrist. And so here's what you and I need to know. This suffering is not optional. And then in verse 2, we see two groups of people. How will God bring about this deliverance of his people in the end? What will it look like? Well, verse 2 says that this deliverance will come at the time of resurrection. You guys see that there in verse 2? It says clearly... That those who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. And they will awake, meaning that they will rise from the dead. And two groups rise from the dead. If you look at the text clearly, some will rise to everlasting life, while others rise to shame and everlasting contempt. 
So at the resurrection, here's what we need to know. If we die with the hope of the coming of Jesus Christ, or if we find ourselves at the end of the world, suffering at the hands at the Antichrist, when Jesus returns, we will rise from the dead. That is another great opportunity for everyone to say, this is not our home. This world is not our end. Our end is everlasting life with God. Amen? Right now, he is preparing a place for us. Right now. And he's coming back for his people. Amen? I'm excited. I can't wait because it's going to be a billion times better than this place. There will be no suffering. There will be no tears. There will be no pain, no disease. Amen? But it won't just be believers who raise from the dead. Unbelievers will raise also. So this will be a time of judgment for everyone throughout all of history. And believers will receive everlasting life. Yet unbelievers will receive contempt or judgment will come upon them because they have chosen not to believe in God. And in verse 3, we see what will happen to believers when they raise from the dead. They are described as being wise. Why? are believers described as being wise? Well, because they spent their lives shining the light of Jesus and turning people to righteousness. Do you see it there? Their light will shine brightly. It will shine. Why? Because they have lived their lives through their speech, through their actions in a way that demonstrated to other people that Jesus Christ is Lord and their Savior. Amen? This gives us a description of how we should be preoccupied with our time. It's turning other people to Jesus Christ through our example and our words. Amen? That's what the text says. Because in the end, we will be wise if that is how we have spent our lives. We see this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus speaking, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who was in heaven. This is how Jesus calls us to live our lives. And yet, for those who do not know God, they will raise to another faith. They be completely condemned for not wanting to follow Christ. So here is what you and I can take out of this brief first verses. It's this. We shouldn't be surprised with suffering. Now don't be Surprised by persecution if it comes your way because you follow Jesus. First Peter 4, 12 and 13 says, look very closely. It's the key verse. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when he, his glory is revealed. Peter tells us clearly, us believers, that we shouldn't even be surprised when we go through hardship. Should we? No. We shouldn't even consider suffering something strange, but something normal. Why? Because if Christ suffered, guess who else has to suffer? We do. We have to walk the same path that he walked. 
But Christ didn't just suffer. He didn't just experience pain, did he? No, he experienced pain and he died. But then on the third day, what happened? God vindicated him by raising him to new life. Amen? And so if we're willing to suffer with Christ, we will also share in his glory and raise up with Christ at the end. Amen? This is how God will deliver us, his people, in the end. We will raise from the dead. So we shouldn't be surprised when we go through hardship. And then in verse 4, the angel now specifically addresses Daniel. And he tells Daniel to shut up the words and to seal the book until the end. This is the angel's way of telling Daniel that the vision is drawing to an end. Now Daniel has to keep this book safe, preserve it intact for future generations. Why? So that you and I, today, here, going through this chapter, we can benefit and be encouraged by God's word. Saying in the text that we as God's people must go running to and fro to receive knowledge. That's what it says, right? That, that we need to be occupied and preoccupied with coming to the word of God consistently to have understanding of what's going on in the world around us. How many times do we hear people say like, oh, I don't know what's going on in the world. We as believers, we should never say that because we know exactly what's going on in the world. The world is in darkness. It's lost. And we know where we're headed to. The end is coming. With the Antichrist coming to bring great suffering, waging war against the world, and to bring suffering upon believers. And then the end will come. And so now we have this truth, this revelation that we can come to. We can come to it consistently. So when, like we hear Christians say, that we're a church that loves to disciple people, we do. We invest in people weekly going through the word of God. Why? Because it's when we have the understanding of God's word that we can stand on to know how to live our lives. Like we've shared. Here at Center View Church, we faithfully preach through books of the Bible. I'm super excited. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. In January, we're going to start going through the book of Acts. So excited. This sermon series that we're starting next week, Small Moments of Transformation, we're going to be going through sections of the gospel of Matthew. Uh, sorry, of, of Matthew. In November, we're going to do our prayer sermon series like we do every November where we pray. And we're going to look at the four different prayers in the book of Acts. Our Christmas sermon series, we're going to be looking at Jesus for our Christmas series through the gospel of John. The word coming to life. Why? Because the only thing that we have that gives us hope is the knowledge of the truth of the word of God. Or else we're standing on sinking ground that shifts and changes just like our society and culture. Today it says one thing and tomorrow it's going to say something else. Second, not only is God faithful, but our second point, verses 5 to 7, is that God is faithful to the end. Daniel sees a final vision now. He sees a scene of of, 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 of significance like no other. He sees two angels. One angel is on one side of the stream and another angel is on the other side of the stream. And he is baffled with what he's seeing. Why? Because he sees a man dressed in linen hovering over the middle of the stream. Can you guys see it? 
Angel on this side, angel on this side of the stream, a man dressed in linen in the air hovering over the stream. And then one of the angels asks a question. It turns to this figure and it says, how long shall it be until the end of these wonders? Well, which wonders is the angel talking about? It's talking about the suffering that God's people are going to experience at the end of the world. See, God actually wants Daniel to know what the time frame of these events is going to look like. But what's the significance of this final vision? Who is this man dressed in linen, hovering over the waters? Who is it? It is Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. This is another Christophany, the appearing of the second member of the Trinity in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ appears as the one who is now going to give this final word of where, what is going to happen to us as God's people. And he gives a promise. He makes an oath. And you look at the scene, you see Jesus raising his right hand and raising his left hand in the air to pronounce an oath. Do you know why? Because in the Old Testament, when you wanted to make an oath, you would raise up your right hand to make a declaration, a promise, something that they could hold you to. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? In our court system today, before you give your testimony, you need to raise your right hand and place your left hand on a holy book. It used to just be the Bible, but now it could be a different kind of holy book. But you lift up your right hand. Why? You're making an oath that what you're going to say is? There you go. And we don't see Jesus just raising one right hand, one hand. We see Jesus raising his right and his left hand, signaling that he is the one who has all power and all authority. And what he's going to say is truer than everything that could ever be said. And he swears by whom? Well, he swears by God the Father. He says, by him who lives forever. And so now he makes this promise, giving us two indications. First, he says that this length of time will be a time, times, and half a time. And that the end time, it will come when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. All of these things shall be finished. So Jesus reveals the length of time that God's people will suffer and when, and when it will end because he is sovereignly in control. So look closely. He says when, right? How, he says how long and when. Time, 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 times, and half a time. Right? And the suffering will continue until the, peop the holy people of God are shattered. And then the end will be finished and it will come. So Jesus knows when, right? He knows. Yet it's very obscure to Daniel and to us. Right? Because you and I don't know how long time, times, and half a time is. Do we? But what we know is there is a fixed amount of time within God's sovereignty under his control, which he will allow for the people of God to be shattered. And then when we are shattered, the end will come. Are you guys with me? I'm going to try my best to wrap this up. Let me give this illustration to, hold, to, to try to help you. How many of you guys have been in the car ride with kids? 
And if it's a long ride, they'll say, are we there yet? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Why? Because kids want to know how long they're going to be stuck in the car. Right? Now, parents know how long it's going to take to get to wherever they're going. Yeah? And parents, we can have either one or two approaches. When our kids ask, we can turn to them and say something like, oh, it's going to take an hour to get there. That helps our kids have perspective of how long it's going to take, right? An hour is what? 60 minutes. Or 3,600 seconds. Or typically two episodes of your favorite show. So they can put in perspective, okay, I'm going to be stuck in this car with my siblings who don't leave me alone, who don't give me enough leg room and car space. But I can endure it because I know how long. But what if you tell your kids something like this? We get there when we get there. Now, is it a still, is it a clear amount of time to the parents? Of course it is, because they're using their GPS and they know exactly when they're going to get there. But to the children, it will drive them nuts. And not only will it drive them nuts, it will drive them nuts to the point that they will drive you nuts. Why? Because you have just given them an undetermined amount of time that they cannot put into perspective. And so in their minds, they're going to be stuck in that car for the rest of their life. Does that make sense? The answer that Jesus gives here to us is the second. We get there when we get there. In his sovereignty, sovereignty means that God is in complete control of all events in history of all time always. There's nothing that escapes him. There's nothing that he doesn't know. He says, I got it. And the point in not telling us intentionally is that you and I would learn to trust in God while knowing that he is in control. None of us like this. Because we want to know when our suffering is going to start. We want to know when our suffering is going to end. And we want to know how long it's going to be. Right? Because if we do, we can put perspective. We can see light at the end of the tunnel. Are you guys with me? Oh, man, okay, I've suffered this many days, but I only need to suffer these many more days. And I'm going to do everything I got, but I know that the end is in sight. What happens when the end is not in sight? Where do you turn and who do you trust in? And Jesus is telling us here, you don't need to know how much longer or when because I know exactly when. You see, Jesus is telling us that he knows the perfect time of when he will intervene to rescue his people. Amen. He knows. And so you and I don't have to worry. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to play guessing games or bust out our calculators to try to understand what 1,990 days means or 1,335 days means in the last verse of this text. We don't need to worry. What we need to do, and I'm so excited that I don't know if you guys noticed, the text that Robin chose today focused on these two things. Learning to trust in God, knowing that he is faithful. And this is exactly what our whole text is about. That's confirmation. I bet you didn't know what we were going to be talking about today. Did you? Praise God. That's confirmation right there. This is the whole takeaway from this book is that you and I need to learn to trust in God, knowing that he is faithful and that he knows when he will come to rescue us in the midst of the situations and circumstances that we're facing. 
So it's funny that the angel Gabriel in verse 1 tells Daniel that God's people are going to suffer. And now Jesus is telling Daniel that God's people in the end are going to Thank you, Jesus, for confirming your word. Right? He says that God's people will be shattered. Does this sound like fun? No. He is saying that in the end of the world, the Antichrist will bring upon such suffering and destruction upon the church like nothing it has ever seen. Sometimes we have this idea that at the end of the world, the church is going to be glorious. This is definitely not the vision that we get here of the church and God's people, is it? We're going to be so broken and so needy that we are going to be crying and calling on the, for God to bring his intervention. But Jesus says, don't worry because I'm in control. Then we get to our last text. Then we get to verses 8 to 13. God is faithful. God is faithful until the end. And because God is faithful, we can be faithful until the end also. <laughs> Daniel hears this. <laughs> and he's confused. Right? That, that, that's what he says in verse 8. I don't understand what any of this means. Like when is all this going to happen? What's the point? And so now he turns to the man dressed in linen, Jesus, and he asks the question, Oh my Lord. What shall be the outcome of these things? God, you've shown me like all of these things. God's people are going to suffer more, but you're going to deliver them in the end. And what's the point? And in verse 9, Jesus answers Daniel and he tells him the point. The point is to learn to trust God and to be faithful until the end. The angel says, Daniel, listen, go your way. <laughs> go live your life. You have to understand, Daniel is in his old age at this point. He's basically telling Daniel, listen, the vision has ended. <laughs> now go live the rest of your life knowing that what I have shown you is enough. Are you guys hearing me? Because we have a cessatiable desire in us to always want to know more than what we know. Yes or no? So much so... That in the church, there are those who are always looking for a fresh word, a fresh revelation, for God to speak to them audibly, individually. We always want to know more. And yet God is telling Daniel here that he has to learn to become comfortable with not knowing how the end of the world is going to end. He's basically saying, Daniel, what I've told you is enough. And now you can go live the rest of your life. And he tells Daniel, and listen, Daniel, go re live the rest of your life because you're going to die soon. Look at the text. And you're going to die soon and you're going to rest. You're going to find rest. Right? And then you might say, but William, you kind of. Are telling me that this is enough? This is all I need to live my life? That I don't need to go searching for something special coming directly from God? That I could just trust in his word? Yes. Amen. This is all you need to live your life. This is God's revelation to you and for me. And everything that we need, God has shown us. 
He has not left us orphans, but he's given us his truth to live by. And we don't need a special or a divine revelation to come for us. None of us need to see God in, the, in person. Because God's already told us everything that we need to know. Amen? And just to encourage Daniel, Jesus gives him more insights. Again, in verses 11 and 12, stand with me. We see again that in the end, there will be, in verse 10, two kinds of people. Right? Remember, we saw that there were two kinds of people. But at the end of the world, when everybody raises from the dead, there will be two kinds of people, the wise and the wicked. Those who are faithful to God are wise. Why? Because they purify themselves. They make themselves white. They refine themselves. Well, what does this mean? Well, it means that we allow the word of God to shape our lives. My brothers and sisters and guests, listen to me. When you allow the truth of the word of God to be what you stand on, you become willing to acknowledge the sin and impurities of your life, and you allow that God through his word and the work of the Holy Spirit to sanctify your life. This begins to become your truth. The truth that you live by. Now, as we come to God's word more and more and understand it, we purify ourselves. We become white. We become refined. Because we allow God's work through his spirit to change us and transform us. And we welcome that. You know, I still come to this word and I'm baffled sometimes about the things that God asks me to do that I don't want to do. Anybody else? Man, being a husband is hard. Well, not because of you, but because of me. Because I'm not the perfect husband. Being a parent, a father is hard. Not because of my kids, but because of me. And the work that God has to do in me to be a better husband, to be a better father. And the only way I'm going to know that is to come to this word and humble myself under it and to allow God to change me and transform me. Because I can't do it in my strength and I can't do it in my power. Can you? No. And yet, there will also be the second group, the wicked. And how will the wicked act? The text says what? The wicked will act wickedly. Why? Because the wicked want nothing to do with God. The wicked don't want to obey God and humble themselves to God's word. And because the wicked do not want to humble themselves to God's word, guess what they will never have? The text says, understanding. They will never understand God. They live in the world today. They don't know the difference between their left hand and their right hand. They see events in history unfolding and they don't have perspective on what it means. Why? Because they don't understand the word of God. And then Daniel tells us that there will be this time of desolation that will come. That in the end there will be this terrible time that will come. The abomination to make desolate. What is this? And he talks about that there will be this time period, this 1,290 days. And then there will be a time where there will be some who will hold out until the 1,335 days. That there is this 45-day time span of holding out. What does all this mean? This is what it means, that at the end of the world, the Antichrist will repress true worship to God. The church will no longer be allowed to worship God. And the Antichrist will want to make himself God and demand that the world worship him alone. 
And he will try to demand that we, the church, have the willingness to accept this perverted form of worship. Are you with me? He will want to take God's place. That's what is an abomination that is desolate. There will be this one final antichrist who will rise up and say, you will no longer worship the true God. I am now the God of this earth. And I demand that everyone worship me. But blessed is he, that's what the text says, who waits and who arrives at the 1,335 days, this 45 years out. So there will be this time when we as a church will have to hold out. Where we will not be, where we will not, where we can't give in. And yet it will come at great cost. Even death itself. And then Daniel ends in verse 13 with the angel giving him again more personal instructions. Daniel, go about living your life. You're going to die soon. You'll find rest. But in the end, what will happen, Daniel? Look at what it says there. And, you, and shall stand in your allotted place. Daniel, in the end, you're going to raise from the dead. <laughs> and God will give you his eternal kingdom. What do we take out of all of this? Here's what we take. God is faithful. God has told us what the end will bring. There will be great suffering that will come upon the people of God, the church. And we have been warned to be ready for that time period. Amen? But we can know that at the right time, God will intervene and give us exactly what we need. We don't have to worry. Does it matter when? No. Because Jesus knows the exact time when we need to be rescued. Amen? And he will come. You and I will have to hold out. Be tough. Not give in. Keep our eyes set on the truth of the word of God when that time comes. Knowing that in the end, God will deliver us, his people. Amen.